Welcome to season three of the Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. I am joined by the one and only Jess Le Courcier. I, I tried. Uh, Le Courcier. Good enough. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something that is always like a challenge of being a podcast host is having to learn so many different names, but it's such an integral part of like the connection that we make with people um, because it's like it helps a person feel seen. So throughout my entire history of, of hosting the podcast, I probably have like 80% success rate with people's names, but I, I, I take my best effort. But with all of that out of the way, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm pretty good. This is, I've uh, taken it upon myself to do quite a few episodes this week. This is episode 183. I did episode 180 and 181 on Monday, 182 and 183 today, and 184 and 185 tomorrow. So we're just, uh, we're bulk publishing because this is a time when people are just getting ready to get back to the gym. It's a time when I have a bit more time to podcast, so I'm taking advantage. Yeah, cool. I'm uh, honored to be asked, to be perfectly honest. Well, I mean, it's exciting because there's so much to learn from everybody. And just like with regards to like your backstory, I'm really excited to dig into that. <laughs> um, just like the origin story to before you became who you are now as a trainer. Um, and there's lots of stuff to dig into. Before we get too much further, I want to make sure to give a shout out to your podcast, the Lattes and Liftings uh, Lifting yeah. Podcast. And you host that with Jill Sanford. And I have listened to it and I have enjoyed it. So anybody looking for a female hosted podcast, there you go. There you have it. Yes. We're, we're actually on a break right now. Call it like summer vacay. Um, we'll be back before the end of the summer, but there is like 20 episodes. If you haven't listened to catch up um, and there isn't like, you're not going to be missing anything if you start now. So Definitely. I mean, like I can say from experience, if you just like dive into an episode based on like the topic that's listed, mm -hmm. it'll be contextually accurate for any time of the year. And it's just yeah. good to have like the perspective from somebody else. It's like, I will never go backwards by promoting other people's podcasts. And same thing with oh. like trainers supporting trainers kind of thing. A hundred percent. I am. I think that's probably why we've like connected so much over the last year is because I don't believe that there's any trainers that are my competition because I'm me and you're you and that's what makes us great. Exactly. So, so with that being said, if you were to describe yourself, like what is your, I guess, elevator pitch for people? Like how, how do you introduce yourself at a party? At a party? <laughs> well, I like wow. to make it personable, so I always toss in the party. I can't remember the last time I went to a party. Uh, 
I guess to like a stranger, um, I'm Jess. I'm a business owner, a personal trainer, prenatal postpartum fitness specialist. Um, I coach moms, moms to be people who want to be moms, dog moms, any, if you have female body parts or identify as a female, I'm your gal. Um, I, I would say I'm atypical in that I don't really follow a lot of norms. Um, I ask a lot of questions. Um, I don't think of anything as being like, it's always this or it's always that. Um, my nutrition style of coaching is very, and I would say like, it's just not the same as a traditional, I don't coach macros. I, I coach more like intuitive eating and, um, I mean, I am a dog mom. I'm, I'm a mom to be myself. I guess that's something new. Um, I'm married. Um, I've done a million things in the past so I probably have experience doing something that we get on topic of um yeah I would say like I'm complicated (laughs) well it's cool to learn more about a person beyond what we see on social media that's kind of something that I take pride in like I really dig into my connections with people in the sense that like whether it be long chats through the dms or just like taking time to talk to people the amount of people that I have just like spontaneously hopped on a video call with, even if it's not a podcast and like the, the personal growth that I've experienced from that. And just like over this whole pandemic thing, like I've been going for walks like a madman and sometimes it's just me with my thoughts and sometimes I'll pick a friend to go for a walk with and you just gain so much from that. Something that I wanted to pay tribute to is back in episode 92, I had uh, someone that you look up to, Jill Coleman, on the show. Uh, So it's super cool to be able to kind of go full circle because I was able to kind of learn about the program that you took, something that is a big component of your your coaching. So tell me a bit more about that and like what what kind of sets that apart for you. Yeah. Well, as far as Jill, um, I just really identify with her a lot in how she coaches. Um, I mean, she's a business coach and she's done a bunch of other programs. And so I started following her initially because of business um, things. She just gives really easy to follow well, like easy to implement ideas and things. I've done a couple of her like sort of Instagram crash courses and marketing and things like that. And then I started following her when she was talking about her nutrition program and then I started practicing it and I was just like, you know, this is the only nutrition plan that I could see myself as a coach coaching. I don't count macros myself. I used to do that and it just became sort of an obsession and not in a good way. Um, I've done the cleanses, I've done the weird diets and obviously like nothing stuck because that stuff doesn't work. We know that. And when I started practicing Moderation 365, I was like, yeah, this is it. This is the real deal. And then she came out with a certification and I was like, yeah, I'm signing up. Like, this is what I need to be coaching people. And I've never said that about a nutrition coaching certification before. I have thought like, oh, maybe I should do like, you know, like one of the more traditional certifications just so I have something, but I wasn't really into it. Like my heart just wasn't there. 
And to be fired up this much about a certification, I was just like, I got to do this. And it was, I mean, it started last September. So not really an ideal time for a trainer to be dropping a bunch of money on coaching certifications. But it did pay off big time because I finished in December when we kind of shifted to another shutdown and everything was online and people were excited about this new program I was coaching. So I ended up getting a really big influx of clients. And that was sort of like a really nice safety net, um, just as far as my brain was concerned with getting shut down again. Yeah, I mean, it's been really cool to watch from the sidelines because I know that, uh, Jill Coleman was on Andrew Coates podcast and then I had her on mine like within a similar time frame and then it's before you and I really knew of each other like we kind of mm-hmm. had connected passively through Instagram kind of thing but I was like oh man like she is really pumped about Jill Coleman like this is really cool to see <laughs> and then just to be able to see you really hit your stride within that and like just find find your community within that that realm because each of us brings something different to the table it's kind of like you said like there there's no like nobody's going to take something away from somebody else by that person being at their best you know Mm -hmm. and when each of us as an entity of ourselves are able to help one another be at their best then the general population benefits if we take pride in like taking down other people like kind of like the crabs in the bucket analogy kind of thing if we're the crabs in the bucket that's no good because nobody's going to make it to the outside to help the people who have never had help before and so I guess I'm just a, a big fan of people supporting people and in the last like month or so you actually referred me a client which has been going really really well it's been really cool to uh, yeah. have that opportunity and With all of that being said, I'm going to quickly dive into the time machine, which I often take people into. (laughs) It's going to become a cliche thing. People are like, oh, here he goes again. But for you, I'm curious, what was happening for you at the age of 16? What was going on then? 16, wow. Um, I was living in this house. (laughs) I'm staying with my parents right now, full disclosure for anyone who doesn't know me. Uh, We're in between um, closing dates right now for houses. I was captain of the rugby team, if you can believe it, a full-on jock. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do in college. I knew it needed to be with bodies, uh, but I didn't know where I didn't really, I didn't really care because I was having too much fun just going to high school and just like living the jock life with my friends and, you know, like, illegally buying alcohol on the weekends because I my parents live in a it used to be a smaller town but um you know just the typical jock teenager kind of life so where did life take you from there as as we move forward through the years like your early 20s kind of thing um so I did a two-year college diploma program and so technically my diploma is as a a rehab assistant so physio ot assistant um so that's kind of where my rehab background and sort of fitness thing kind of started um shortly after that i worked for a year in early education so i am i am actually an early childhood educator which is another whole kind of part of the puzzle 
and I joined the ski patrol and I met a guy and that guy was in the military and through military things, we ended up in Ottawa the year later. Um, so, you know, when you move across country, you don't, I didn't know anybody. I knew him and I knew his dog and that was it. And we, you know, I just had to kind of figure out what I was going to do. So I kind of worked as like a banquet server for a while. I did a couple things here and there. And then I was like, you know what, maybe I should join the military. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was fit enough. I, um, it was like a guaranteed career. Um, and so I did. And I ended up training in Quebec and uh, sort of southern Ontario, I guess. And um, it didn't last super long, but I I don't regret any of it because of the lessons learned in that time. There's so many things that you learn when you're being told what to do and you have no opinions of your own. And um, so after that, I kind of went back to the early childhood stuff and, but always just kind of had like fitness like in my head, like whether I was like helping kids do gross motor skills or I, in that time I started to train for triathlons. So just learning about that, starting to go to a gym, lifting weights. And then that relationship that I was in came to a very abrupt ending. And instead of doing the, I'm going to lay in bed and eat ice cream when I feel sad, I decided that I would either go for a run or I would go to the gym. And that summer, I got to be probably at the smallest I've ever been and not in a good way. Um, and then I also ended up moving across the country to be back with my parents. So that was kind of, you know, a little bit of in between there. And I, and I brought said dog with me. Just I know you're, you're a dog guy, so. We, that's, in, that's an important details matter <laughs> details matter <laughs> uh and then I kind of worked in early ed here for a bit and um joined the ski patrol again like just kind of got back into a life and um kind of realized in the early childhood world there is a ceiling for people who don't have a degree and you hit it very quickly and then there's just nowhere, there's just no going up in your career. So you either kind of stay stagnant and just kind of keep living the same day every day, getting puzzle pieces thrown at you, et cetera, or you do something else. And that something else for me was that I took the like AFLCA exercise theory course and I did a couple other like, you know, personal training. So like I, I, I challenged the CanFit program. I never actually took the course because um, my background and everything. And uh, I just started applying at gyms and I just said, you know what, if I get a job, I'm just going to go for it because I am living with my parents. I'm not, I don't really have any like bills to pay right now. So it's a good time. And I started working at, um, just like a big box gym and that's kind of where it all uh started for training wise and through that I kind of became because of my background I kind of became that trainer who like trains all the people that the other trainers broke 
And uh, so there was that. And then as big box gyms go, again, there's either a ceiling where you're kind of tapped out or you get tired of the selling and the just the management, et cetera. So I applied at a physio clinic to be um, an exercise therapist. And I worked there for four years. And and then got sick again of people not letting me do what I wanted to do with the patients. And uh, just kind of abruptly was like, well, I actually started connected with the studio that I'm at now and started doing part-time classes and was like, no, I want to be here all the time. And, uh, and then just one day I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this. And I just quit my job and just started my own business. I, and that's I, where we are today. <laughs> if anybody knows the whole quit the job and just give her, it's me. Like I can totally relate. And it's super cool to, to learn that. Like, Something that I preach quite a bit is like learning a person's backstory is going to get you way more understanding of where you're going to relate with a person. Like even trainers who have been athletes for forever and just kind of like naturally progress through like scholarships or whatever into the industry, mm -hmm. they have like, they have dirt, like they have things that shape them into who they are. Um, a lot of people in the industry have gone through like setbacks that make them the compassionate people that they are. And in most cases, we'll look at somebody in the industry and we'll think, oh, like that person is bulletproof. Like they've never, they've never felt self-conscious or they've never felt like broken, but pretty much the whole industry has. Like, yeah. um, if I have to interview every last trainer to prove it like <laughs> I would be the guy to do it but it's just like uh, it's so interesting to learn and it's just like it gets you so much of a deeper connection with people um it helps people understand like why they have like the the niche that they have why they why they work with the people that they have um as I kind of got to know you through the last couple of years I noticed that you worked with a lot of uh cyclists in in some aspects what sort yeah. of like created that uh, community for you? Um, well, uh, as I said, I um, I did I raced triathlons for a long time, uh, like ten years, and uh, kind of finished my last year of triathlon was kind of like went out with a bang, as in I raced at the long distance world championships for um, Team Canada, so. Uh, that summer, I kind of met some girls who just rode road bikes. And I was like, well, this is kind of fun. You guys are really, you're fit. And as a triathlete, you get used to training alone a lot, um, just with schedules. And especially if it's long distance, you know, if you don't know anybody who's training for the same race, you might not be on the same training schedule. And luckily, I have one girl who in my life who started as a training partner and ended up becoming one of my best friends. Uh, but not everybody has that. And so you just get used to doing things by yourself, which is very boring. And so when I found a group of girls that wanted to ride together all the time, I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll ride with you guys. And they were all planning on doing a race together, a bike only race. And I was like, I'll try that <laughs> and so we ended up kind of getting ready and with bike racing there's a lot to learn as far as like 
how races go. There's different rules, there's categories, there's points. It can be very confusing and intimidating, but we all kind of went through a little like preseason training course together. And so I ended up doing a stage race, which is essentially three races in a weekend. So like a time trial, which is an individual one, a group road race, which would be like what you would think of with like the Tour de France or something like that. And then a criterium, which is uh, it's kind of like a Formula One race where you all start together. You're in like a closed course. It's very short. Uh, so like three kind of very different events. And we did it. And when I finished, I was like, I'm hooked on this. And I knew I was kind of at the end of my triathloning career, if we can call it that, um, because just running was not agreeing with my body anymore. So I was like, you know what? I might do this bike racing thing. And when I finished triathloning, I kind of knew that I would need to get strong if I was going to be competitive at bike racing. I don't do anything halfway. So when I started bike racing, actually when I met um, Andrew, because he became my trainer and I just went to him and I said, I need you to make me freaking strong. And he said, I don't know anything about bike racing. And I said, I don't need your help with the cycling part. I need your help with the gym part. And he was like, okay. And then that's kind of also how I like ended up at Evolve and starting to lift heavy. And so um, and I found out that I was actually pretty okay at bike racing as far as being an age group athlete of, you know, in their mid thirties. Um, and so I upgraded points quite quickly. And then, you know, in the, I, maybe three years, I guess, um, up until COVID, I was like racing elite, which is, um, I mean, what does that mean though? I mean, I wasn't making any money, don't get any crazy ideas, but um, you know, so racing with the fastest women in Alberta who are not professionals. Um, and yeah, and so I just be kind of kind of became very passionate about endurance athletes needing that strength component, but also knowing that I struggled with it as a triathlete, especially long distance. You just don't have time. Uh, or you think you don't have time, but um through my training, I did a couple social experiments on myself as far as, you know, giving up a hill repeat night in favor of heavy squats and just kind of seeing what that would get me. And it turns out that the stimulus was relatively the same. And so I was able to keep up with my training in the gym and do different training than most cyclists traditionally would do on their bikes and still get good results. Now, obviously that's not a real research study, but anecdotally, it totally worked. So when I started training people, I just kind of took that idea and ran with it. And I was like, if it worked for me, it might work for you. And if you are injured or you're fighting all these injuries, I think this is the only way to do this. And people liked it. <laughs> So that's kind of how I got into that is just did a social experiment on myself and ran with it. Yeah. I mean, that's super relatable in the sense that like my, my entry into the fitness industry was I just went to a ton of spin classes and it evolved to the degree where I became a trainer because I saw the value in helping people. At first I thought that it would just be 
me being a spin instructor. And then I was like, no, I, I want more control over my role. And then I became a trainer and then I was still going to a lot of classes and similar kind of like self-led social experiment. I just trained hard in the gym and watched my performance change on the spin bike. Like, yeah, I've, I've kind of evolved in the sense that now I just train in the gym just because it just makes my life a lot more simple, but I can totally relate to that whole, like, kind of naturally finding your passion through like trial and error and life experience. And like for a while I was training basically all spin instructors and that's kind yeah. of changed for me too. But I can imagine like as, as you did your, uh, moderation three, six, five, is that what it's called? Yeah. As you did that certification, like your, your community has probably changed in ways as well. And it's, it's cool when that happens because it's like, if we're the same one year after another, we're we're not putting ourselves out there enough. We're not learning enough and we're missing out kind of thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I'm very picky about the education that I do, um, even not even from a financial standpoint, but just where I want to invest my time and how do I see it helping my people, right? And I only want to attract the people that are like, I mean, if you do your business right, you attract people who are like you, right? You don't end up getting people who are like, like, how did you get here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't get people that you don't get along with when you have a business like this. And I can definitely tell the difference between what I do now and when I was a trainer at a big box gym, because I would get clients and be like, God, why is this client such a drain? But it's because I didn't attract them right? It's because they were given to me, or I was picking up the pieces from somebody else. Or, you know, we didn't have Instagram back then to be doing, or I wasn't promoting a business on Instagram. And so, you know, when you attract people who like your content, they're like, Oh, yeah, like, this is a good vibe, then they eventually become clients, which is essentially why we have the Instagram accounts that we have to attract clients, not just putting out content for the good of myself. Um, but you know, like we attract the people that we want. We don't, we kind of weed out the people who don't jive because they just won't follow us. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. Like as far as my content goes, I put out so much content. It's obnoxious. Like anybody that's sick of me left years ago, <laughs> like, especially this week, <laughs> yes. it's like enough podcast, dude. And I'm like, no, can't stop. Won't stop. But it's, yeah. <laughs> Something that I've thought of a lot this past week is just the fact that like we don't necessarily need to have like immense fame or mm -hmm. like we, we don't need to be the most well-known. We just have to have people that understand us really well. Like if we yeah. have like 30 people that get us and understand what they're getting when they work with us, that's a pretty good spot to be because like yeah if you've connected on a real enough level that they're like literally buying what you're selling then you're going like that's all the energy you have you don't have more yeah. energy than that so it's a, a super cool um just being able to settle with not having to impress everybody or not having to be liked by everybody and just being able to show up yeah. as our authentic self yeah and i think that's one of the things that i really like about jill coleman is that one of the things she she always preaches is like, you're not for everybody. 
And that's okay. You have to be okay with people not liking you. And sometimes saying things that are a little bit polarizing, those will attract your people because you'll get people that are like, hell yeah, or you'll get people that are like, hell no, but you didn't want those people anyways. And another thing that I was thinking of when you were saying that, that you don't really care about being famous is that one thing that she said one time was like, I don't care if you have 30,000 followers, how many of those people are paying you? And that's always something that strikes me because I honestly don't know how many followers I have because I don't care. I care that my clients are happy and that they're getting the best service that I can give them. I don't really care about the people who aren't paying me because they're not paying my bills. Yeah, it's kind of like the value of clocking into work. Like if we had a job and we worked for somebody else, um, if we were so focused that we we had to say hi to everybody on our way to the time clock and forgot to clock in, we wouldn't be paying our bills. If we just think about getting ourselves to the time clock on time and focusing on those eight hours, nine hours, whatever it may be when we're working for the man or lady, um, if we're focused on the task at hand, that that's all that matters. Like referrals yeah. are going to come. Um, we're going to be standing in our integrity. And that's pretty important for both of us. And uh, that that's the rest will take care of itself. Like we're still going to yeah. be able to grow and gain momentum and have like a, a legacy to our body of work. But uh, it doesn't need to be so complicated that we learn how to uh, become the most famous person in all the land. Like we can just be ourselves. And that's, that's something that I've really uh, just pushed really heavily is just like when people get lost in trying to be someone that they're not, they lose themselves. If people realize what they, what they value and what makes them who they are and just own it, that's when they're going to feel the happiest. And that's when social media doesn't have as much control over them because social media can bring people down really fast. Yeah, especially in the last year or so. Oh, yeah. Like, anybody listening, make sure that you're taking, like, you're setting your boundaries with social media to take breaks when needed and block and mute people as needed because it's, like, it's just a little thing on your phone. There's a whole world outside of electronics, and there's people that would talk to you in person that would make you feel a lot better than dealing with trolls on the Internet. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Although sometimes I think it's a little fun to play with them a little, but I mean, I, as a female, I do get a lot, I probably get a lot more sugar daddy DMs than you do. I know we've been discussing that. I've been like, look, like (laughs) I could use another stream of income. I don't know if I have to say like, good morning, good night, but like whatever you got to do, like maybe, maybe I could use that. (laughs) But all, all jokes aside, there's something that is very exciting for you that's come up as of late. You've made the announcement. Um, you are taking on a new role in your life. What is that like? What was the lead up for that for you? Uh, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, so uh, shocker, I'm pregnant. Um, yeah, actually, it was a little bit of a shock. Um, we, My husband and I hadn't really decided we would start family planning officially until the fall. Uh, I didn't really want to be pregnant during a pandemic, Um, but things happen. And uh, 
it's cool. We're rolling with it. So uh, because of that, we decided that we, well, we needed to sell our, the house that we lived in. And so hence why I'm back at the parentals at the moment, but um, it's been kind of cool because as I said, I do coach prenatal postpartum women and not that you need to have experience to get clout, but it has been kind of great for my business. Um, I don't recommend it as like a business move if you're not ready for the aftermath of it, but um, I've just gotten a lot more like content ideas and things to start sharing um, and kind of just normalizing what happens to women when they're pregnant because there's a lot of really bad information and a lot of really wrong information. I always knew that, but I didn't really know it because I hadn't lived it. Um, and even, you know, this week I had a random stranger who just happens to be a male comment on a lifting video. I was doing a barbell complex and he said, not harmful for you, but could harm your baby. And I asked for the evidence and he deleted his comment. So um, it's, I don't understand why people think that. I mean, maybe we're just starting to see strong women be more social or be more out there about what they're doing. But it, I was like, why, man? Like, you don't even know me. <laughs> he doesn't follow, like, it's not a follower or anything. So I was like, okay, whatever. But, um, you know, yeah. And, it's interesting because I actually have a few women that are close to me who have either recently give birth, given birth or just kind of along the same journey. Um, and so it is kind of cool to see a shift of women who exercise on purpose, um, sharing their experiences or comparing experiences because you, you know, you're always, the fear is always that you're going to be alone in alone in whatever you're going through. Right. But um, truthfully, I know so many women right now who are doing the same thing as me. Definitely. And like that, that's a big part of why I try to kind of catch people at the right times with the podcast. Like I've had recent moms, I've had expected moms. Um, and I've like for myself, my, my client base, I've had some of my clients that have had babies over, over the pandemic and, it's just so important to not only know when to like call upon the friends in the industry, but mm -hmm. also um, within reason, just like be adaptive. Like there, there's a lot of resources within the greater industry to learn from for just adapting the sessions and like the early yeah. parts of pregnancy. And then just as things go further, it's like being able to refer to like a physiotherapist or just a trainer who specializes and just that whole like community aspect in the sense that like, we know that we can't do it all. Like it goes with everything. Like you see a business that's growing and eventually they, they hire an assistant or you see yeah. um, somebody that just is like, it's just like when a trainer gets full and they only have so many hours in the day. Well, in the same sense, a trainer only has so much information in their brain that they can recruit mm -hmm. readily. And when they need yeah. to access more information, like on the fly, it's just best to send it to the person who has that information readily available in their brain. Because like, 
Yeah. It's, I recently read something um, about names in that we only have the capacity to really remember like maybe, uh, I thought the number was 100, but don't quote me on it, but we only remember so many names. Hmm. And that's that's been a big motivator for me to bring some people back on the show because I'm like, okay, I, my brain's full of names. I've talked to a lot of people and I want to be able to like have a connection with each one of them. But yeah, just very long rant, but just to the sense that like, the more we build community and connect with people, the more taken care of our people are. And then the, they yeah. see that. They they see that there's two podcast hosts that are talking to each other on a podcast and they our clients feel safer as a result because we they know that uh, we're not going to hold back from recruiting our, our A-team as needed kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, as you said before, like that I just recently sent you a referral um, you know, it was because that client was a male and I'm like, I, I don't do that. So, but I was like, I know somebody who does and they're great. And the, um, sort of the source that it was referred to was like, oh my gosh, yes, totally. And I was like, yeah, I totally trust this person hundred percent. They get my seal of approval, et cetera. And she was more than grateful that I had, you know, suggested that and not just like, sorry, I don't do that. Um, because I think that that kind of, that would have just left kind of her feeling a little sour about it. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll forget about it or whatever. It, you know, me not training men doesn't have anything to do with me not wanting to help them. Um, it's just not my niche and I can't train men at the studio I work at. We are women's only. So it would just be like, I don't know where, but like, I'm not just going to take on a client just to take on another client. They have to fit um, with the vibe, right? Definitely. And, like, I found myself in that situation when it comes to Olympic lifting. Like, I've done some Olympic lifting within CrossFit, but it's never been anything that's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. And I just don't have the capacity to, like, put in the years that it would take to become a competent coach within that realm. And so it's like any time that somebody that works with me wants to do Olympic lifting, I got my go-to people and I just ship them yeah. off. I'm like, I'll see you when you're done or I'll just see you in the gym. Like either way, yeah, you're happy exactly. and that's what I'm here for kind of thing. Yeah, I think knowing your limits as a as a trainer are like, I, I truly don't think you can be like an all-purpose person because that kind of takes the personal out of personal training. Like we all have kind of our things and if you try to be somebody's olympic lifting coach and somebody's you know like also there i'm also your macro coach but i'm also going to train you for pregnancy and postpartum but i'm also going to be a rehab trainer but i'm also going to be a weight loss coach and i'm you know it's like it kind of almost like waters down each of those things when if you focus on a few things that you're really passionate about yeah you might have less people but you'll have really consistently good people and I think that when I did switch careers back to this I kind of maybe it was the age that I'm at or whatever but I'm just not willing to settle anymore so you know like having boundaries around my time or just the people that I'm spending my time with are huge for me in my business because I don't want to be standing in a gym half-heartedly training you just for a couple 
fuck. Like that makes me feel gross, first of all. But it also is just like not resonating with my values as a person. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I want to train people that are like getting something out of my time, my education, my passions. Definitely. It's it's a good feeling to train and work with people that are pumped to be there. And in order for them to be pumped to be there, we have to have like a a full bucket, full cup. Like we have to be showing up with two feet in and to have two feet in, we can't have one, we can't have acid. It's just that, that common phrase of use your whole ass. Like whenever you're going into something, (laughs) (laughs) find a way to be full capacity, similar to like with content creation, like we're both podcast hosts. Um, and we might not necessarily have the capacity to write a book during this time. Like we, we would have to like switch realms to start writing a book. Like one person can't be everything, but I'm curious with the podcast, quick segue, what inspired you to start a podcast and what have been some (laughs) things that you've learned along the way? Uh, this is a really funny story, actually. Um, so actually, while we launched the podcast in January, we didn't start thinking about it until November. Uh, we So at the studio that Jill and I coach at, we uh, have these sort of signature eight-week transformation programs for moms, whether it be newly postpartum or a few years postpartum. But basically, they sign on for eight weeks, and we take them through a body rebuild. And we work on their mindset, we work on nutrition, we do like all the things and they get, um, we were doing everything through Facebook group before and we would do weekly lives where we would chat about a topic or do Q&A. And so Jill and I got in the habit of doing our lives together because we get along so well. And we were joking one day on a live that we should just start a podcast and then they could just tune in whenever And one of the girls was like, you should start a podcast. And we're like, huh, maybe. And then we were like, you know what? Maybe we should. (laughs) And then um, we just kind of, we, the first thing we did was we got a logo and a color scheme because obviously, Um, and that's how how girls do things. Um, And then, um, and then we jumped on a call with you and we're like, so how do we actually do the like, podcast podcast. (laughs) and I just remember thinking I would be so overwhelmed and now that I've done it it's so easy I barely even edit anymore and I'm just like oh I don't know why I was so worried about this but we yeah we just planned out some topics and we got together and recorded some episodes and launched and our members our clients our our moms um, <laughs> love it because uh, because we talk about real issues in, in women's health and um, you know we're very real about our own experiences we don't pretend to know everything that's going on in a woman's body which and you know um, coming from somebody who's, who's never been through pregnancy before but has a great education on it I knew nothing um, but you know like it's I think it's really cool to be able to share our highs and our lows and our just our just content in a different way, right? Like you can hit so many different things different than more you can, than you can write. And it's different having a conversation with somebody, um, just bouncing ideas back and forth on. And um, yeah, it's been really fun actually. Um, And then we just, uh, just with the, 
the shutdown in the spring and we just both kind of got busy with other projects. We were like, well, let's just take a hiatus. And then we just haven't quite gotten back to it yet. But uh, before the end of the summer, we'll be back for sure. Definitely. And I mean, it is very important to like protect your energy so that you are kind of like at your best with, with what you're creating. One thing that I've noticed about myself is that like every so often I'll take a couple of weeks off the show, but it's not very noticeable because I usually compensate for that by like making one week very busy. But like, yeah. you know how we see Andrew Coates go through like dozens of sessions in a week. That's like me with podcasts. Like I, I was born to just talk to one person at a time for hours on end throughout the day. Um, and then I have a pretty strong background with tech. And so I can crush through the production pretty fast. But for someone that is listening and might be inspired to start a podcast of their own, which I hope that they are, first of all, they can reach out to me. I can give them a few pointers. But second of all, um, know that it's like, it's a marathon, not a sprint, very cliche phrase, mm -hmm. but, um, like start with like one a month and see how it goes and like plan to do these things for like, visualize yourself doing something like that for like two years. Cause you want to be able to get through the ebbs and flows, just like anything in life. You almost have to expect that there's going to be an obstacle, like life gets in the way. So you create the boundary of a pause and then you know that yeah. you'll start up again. Or life gets in the way. And like for myself, if my schedule has ever gotten busy, I'll just pre-record and then I'll like space them out. But then this week I just decided I'd dump out a bunch of extras because I'm working on growing the audience of the show. And I figure the more practice I have, it's kind of like getting your reps. The more repetitions you have at something, the more likely that you'll create sort of the momentum that it takes to have a, a bigger audience kind of thing. But it's just basically, hopefully people never feel discouraged from doing things that they're passionate about. Similar to how we've leapt into um, self-employment in our own each unique ways. And we've kind of followed our gut with uh, career decisions and everything that comes with life that is part of change. Just like not hesitating for too long, but just kind of going for it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So with everywhere that you've lived in, in your storied origin story, is there like a place that taught you something or something that stands out or is it all just kind of close to home? Uh, I think it's, it does sound really cliche, but I think being in the military was probably one of the most pivotal things because uh, and I just, I kind of came to this realization the kind of last year when there was first restrictions put on us as, as people and we didn't really have a lot of say in our lives and I was okay. And I was like, but I realized why I was okay is because I've done that. And when you are a soldier, you don't get to decide what you wear. You don't get to decide your bedtime, your meal time, your free time, if you have it. Um, you don't, you're not guaranteed to have weekends off because if you get in trouble or if you mess something up, you lose that privilege. And I think it kind of taught me that everything is a privilege 
and not a right, um, which I think has been easily confused in the last year, like the right to travel. Traveling is not a right. It is an absolute privilege. And even just having a choice of like, I, I've been telling this story lately because it's just been really relevant is that one of the first weeks in the military, we got updated on our vaccinations and um, I was given a vaccine passport. <laughs> they are real. I, I have one. And uh, they asked me if I'd had my childhood vaccinations where I said yes, but I didn't have proof because I was in Quebec and the records are provincial and they were in Alberta and I didn't have any written proof. And at the time, you know, I it couldn't just pop up on my phone and show them my vaccination history. I didn't have a phone that did that. And so I was like, I, I have no proof for you. And they were like, well, we'll just give them to you again. And I was like, uh, is that okay? Like, and they were like, yeah, probably, it's fine. And so what they did was they lined us all up in the hallway and they made us roll up our sleeves and they gave you alcohol pads and you had to rub your shoulders and then they would sit you in a chair. And I got jabbed about three or four times on each arm with different vaccinations, like the one after the other. And I remember thinking like, wow, I'm really in for it now. <laughs> but I, I literally could not have spoken up. Um, and there was many other moments just like that where you have somebody yelling in your face about the fact that there was lint on your floor or um, yelling at your whole platoon that you were late for something by a minute and you lost your weekend or I don't know, like, just, if you think of the most ridiculous thing you could get in trouble for and you would get in trouble for it and you just have to stand there and take it with your mouth shut. And I think that while that does kind of make me sound like a little bit of a pushover, knowing when to just, it's beyond my control. I just have to do the best that I can in the moment to help the team. Uh, because you have 50 people that if one of you is out of line, you're all out of line. And I think that that's kind of the thing that really occurred to me. I was like, whoa, nobody that I can see right now would have made it through basic training because we just don't have that as a society unless you choose to go into the military. So while I've often joked that maybe we should have a mandatory military service, I don't think that. <laughs> but it wouldn't hurt a lot of people, to be perfectly honest. Well, I like that you brought it up because as you were saying that, I was kind of thinking to like my origin story and like without, without divulging too many details, like I've worked in environments where I was like the guy that the, the boss took out everything on. It didn't matter what I did. And to, to feel confident that I was going to keep my job, I just had to put up with it kind of thing. And I had to put up with a lot of shit and it has definitely given me the resilience that I needed to um, stick it out for whatever I needed to within the fitness industry. Like it's given me the capacity to get my ass kicked time and time again. Um, and then mm -hmm. just like starting out, like taking a very uh, high risk entry into the fitness industry I've had to hustle my entire career 
and so it mentally prepared me for for gyms to open and close and open and close and open and close. I was like, what else is new? Like the first gym yeah. I was at closed. <laughs> like so that was eight months into my career. And then I found a new gym and then I went to evolve after that. And so it's like it's just been consistently the same atmosphere for me. And so that's where it's so cool to learn more about the trainer. Like if somebody is looking for their trainer, learn more about them, like follow them on social media for like a year and learn mm -hmm. about what makes them who they are. Certifications, they're a dime a dozen. It's not going to tell you everything about that person. As long as they're qualified and can uh, qualify for the insurance that they need to keep you safe, that, that should tell you enough. Um, but it's just like, you're going to get a lot out of that connection because it's a big investment. It's a big decision. When, yeah. when you learn everything that makes up that human that you're working with and vice versa with, with me working with clients, I learn a lot about the client outside of like how much they can squat and deadlift. And it's so cool. Mm -hmm. Like that, that connection means so much, which is a quick transition into the next question, which I've never asked anybody before, but I thought of it in the oh. moment. I was like... If you could choose one person to sit on a park bench with for 10 minutes, dead or alive, who would you choose? Only 10 minutes? Um, I, wow. Um, I feel like maybe somebody like Brianna Bottle Kriana Battles or even like Jill Coleman or somebody like that. Um, Brianna Battles is the creator of the um, pregnant and postpartum um, athleticism certification, which I also have. Um, but she's also created a program for, um, you know, pregnant athletes, postpartum athletes. And so for somebody like me who is kind of navigating being fit but also like navigating this changing body thing, I wouldn't mind picking her brain about just like, is this normal? Like, uh, and I mean, I, like sort of backstory here, maybe, maybe too much information for your audience. I don't know. You're getting it anyways. I tend to talk about girls' body parts all the time. So too bad. Um, I didn't have any nausea or vomiting or like traditional pregnant symptoms. I've felt like myself, albeit a little chunkier than normal. Um, and the only thing I've really felt is that increased blood volume, um, which is contributing to me really feeling like I'm crushing workouts, which seems strange because I feel like I should be slowing down, but my body isn't telling me anything, right? I'm obviously not having any pain or bleeding or symptoms, but I'm like waiting for the ball to drop here and being like, is this something that other people experience? Because everybody that I know has been sick or just not feeling great. And I'm like, now yeah, like we're fine over here. And I think that like having people, I mean, for me, having people in my community that are kind of going through the same thing is really helpful to be like, dude, are you like, even today I, um, so I, I, full disclosure, I do CrossFit. Um, and there's a girl who's about three or four weeks ahead of me in her pregnancy that we go to class together. And today we did, 
American kettlebell swings, so overhead, and there was a run. And the two of us decided about in the second round of kettlebell swings that the full overhead extension did not feel good on the abdomen. It was just too much. And I was like, we got it. Like, I, I got to lower this range of motion, which was fine. But we were the only ones who ran. We ran the furthest distance. It was a scaled thing. And I was like, why are we crushing this run? <laughs> but she was like, oh, I'm so mad. I just feel great. And it's just, it's hilarious. The things that you can and can't do. And you're like, like, I was like, man, these kettlebell swings are not it. And then she was like, yeah, I know I had to lower mine. And I was like, huh, I should lower mine too. And then we were just like cruising through this long distance run. And I was like, I don't understand why we're so awesome today. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's the value of having these conversations in giving people resources. Then they can go on to like Spotify and just search for the topic, find find the conversations that they're looking for. One thing I'm noticing is I look on the video feed, like my forehead is sweating little like context for the people in the audience. This is not the room where I have air conditioning and it is like plus 34 or something outside. (laughs) But um, something else that I wanted to highlight is you, you kind of talked about whether this would be the right audience. And I'm pleased to tell you, I'm pretty sure I have more females that watch my stuff than males. Like I I think my Instagram following is like 60 to 40 and probably podcast follows suit. Mine too. I, I, I think even, um, well, I think, I think my podcast is maybe a little bit different. We have like 10% of our listeners are men. One of them is you. Yeah. Yeah. I I, am representing, (laughs) but I mean, you know, in, in the environment that I work at in person, you know, we talk about pelvic floors, we talk about C-sections, we talk about everything to do with women's health and because people think it's taboo you know, there, we make it okay by talking about it a lot. And I think, I think that's really important because if you know that it's okay to talk about it, um, you know, you say something and someone's like, Oh, actually, yeah. Like I, I, I leak when I deadlift too. And it's like, okay, we can help. Right. But if you don't talk about things like that, then people just assume that it's normal, which common, not normal. Totally agree. I think that's an important point to make. There's a lot of times when uh, like a female fitness professional will share a post that contextually applies mostly to females. And I'll share it because I want the people who follow me to see it yeah. and understand like what is normal, what can be helped, like what training can benefit with and what training like there's so many different directions you can take with your fitness routine and there's some that are more sustainable and beneficial to your body. And there are some Mm -hmm. that are kind of like maybe just off by a bit and a little bit of like added help or a referral will help that person's fitness experience to make it so that they're comfortable to continue to lift into their old age kind of thing. Totally. And I've, you know, I've seen clients of from other trainers who They're like, they just need like some strategies for this. And I literally see them once or twice and then I send them back. Yeah. Um, Quite often, you know, fixes like that. And I think we're both talking about pelvic floor related things is it can be very simple. Um, Oftentimes it can be a breathing strategy or just a change in how you're thinking about how you're moving or even how you're moving. But um, to have the right set of eyes or the right brain on the case is super important because it's not, 
just, we'll just do some Kegels. Um, quite often, it's actually the opposite for athletes. And um, I think I think we can do better for women than just Kegels. Definitely, definitely. And I always enjoy your, um, usually the reels hit home the most, <laughs> like through through your Instagram content. And I know you've had some success through uh, TikTok, but basically reels, TikTok, same, same. Yeah, yeah, same. But to keep us on track with timeline, um, there's one more thing that I'll ask of you, and you get to give my audience a challenge for the day. Okay. And a so it can be anything that you want, but something unique to you that you think would benefit them today oh, okay. or this week. So you're going to be like, your challenge for the day is, and just dish it out to them. Okay. Um, this is super easy um, and totally on brand and for, as for what we were just talking about. My challenge is for you to relax your pelvic floor. So what you're going to do is you're going to, you can sit, stand, lay down. Um, often um, the position that you're in is probably the best one. So if you're walking, stop walking, just stand there for a second. And what you're going to do is on your next inhale, I want you to think about the base of your pelvis. So anywhere in that bottom portion, not just your vaginal opening or anything like that, the whole base, and you're just going to let it expand. And on every exhale, you can just not think about anything. That's typically when we would add a contraction, but there's a good chance that you're already holding tightness in that. So we're not even going to talk about that. So every inhale, you're just going to relax a little bit deeper. Some people find a visualization to be like a flower opening or any sort of thing that just moves in. I hope people watch the video. <laughs> this kind of opening. And um, a, a great time to practice this is actually when you're going to the washroom because um, a lot of women um, who have like stress urinary incontinence, they don't empty their bladders fully. So if you do focus on relaxing, this can be really helpful. If you're one of those people who has to pee like every half an hour type thing, this is probably for you. Um, and all you're going to do is relax your pelvic floor. You can do like five breaths and just move on with your day. Um, if you add it into your life, I guarantee you your life will be better for it, especially if you're pregnant. If you're pregnant and listening right now, this, and you want to do um, a vaginal birth, this will help you. I promise you this. Relaxing, especially if you're an athlete, if you're somebody who is a high-stress human being, relax your pelvic floor. Um, you probably hold too much tension in it. Um, it is a learned skill, and it is invaluable to everybody. Men can do it too. So you have the same muscles. Um, you just have a different opening. That's all. Absolutely. I can, I can attest to the value of something like breathing and positioning and just finding ways to make it like more of a, like a lifestyle habit, not just like a, on a whim kind of thing. And I've mm -hmm. even seen the value of having a squatty potty or dudes sitting down yeah, to pee. Totally. Like, that's something that I was ooh, I don't know if I want to promote that because people will make fun of me. But dudes sitting down to pee um, can be very helpful no, like, for their health. Dudes, if you are anybody who anybody who lifts weights, if you care at all about your performance, you need to care about your pelvic floor. Because I guarantee you, if you can use your pelvic floor and your core 
together with your breathing, you will PR. Yeah. I can, I don't want to like put any guarantees on it, but I will almost guarantee that you're probably not bracing as efficiently as you could. Um, that's often the case with anybody who has ever had any sort of incontinence while they're lifting, you're not bracing well enough. If you're leaking anything, you're leaking performance. I will say that. And then, and it's not always, um, it's not always urine. It can be um, gas. It can be fecal matter, anything like that. If you're leaking anything, you have, you have pounds to gain, to be gained, whatever. Don't call me on that. That's a weird quote. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're leaving something on the table that, um, you could be doing so much better for yourself. So. Definitely. The the context that a coach can bring, and especially within this realm, is a game changer. Like a couple sessions could teach yeah. you so much about your pre-existing fitness routine. You might feel like you've got everything under control, but mm-hmm. there could be little minutia, which could be like remedied through the help of a, of a trainer or coach kind of thing. But with all of that being said, that basically wraps it up for us today. So I'd like to thank you so much for, for joining me on the show. Like it's been great to kind of dive into your origin story and uh, share you with my audience. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a slice.